it just there's something about it there's something about the spirit there's something about the resilience mm -hmm. um there's something about the just the honesty i feel like with detroit it's just like similar to with liz blondie similar to with k9 to five like what yeah. you see is what you get you know Liz Blondie with Canine to Five. Are you in your Detroit location? Where are you right I'm now? I'm actually, I'm in my Ferndale location right now. Okay. Um, on Nine Mile in Ferndale. So I know about the Detroit location and I know that the Ferndale location exists. I haven't seen it yet, but big kudos to you because I know that there was a big push and a big build out for that over the last couple of years. But before we jump into um, the business side of things and hearing about what you're doing with, um, stirring up some controversy and conversation within Detroit, which is a good thing. And uh, I have similar sentiments as you do on the employment side. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, where'd you grow up? What's your connection to Detroit or greater Detroit? Tell us a little bit about Liz. Definitely. So I spent my first six years in Huntington Woods. And then uh, we moved to downtown Detroit to the Detroit Towers when I was about six year old. So I kind of bounced back and forth between downtown Indian Village area and Gross Point. Um, graduated from high school in 1992 from Gross Point South. Went to college for two weeks, decided it was a bunch of bullshit, wasn't for me, came home. My stepdad looked at me and was like, you go get yourself a full-time job. So I went, I got myself a yeah. full-time job. Um, and I was really lucky because somebody saw potential in me and I was able to get a sales position um, at you know, AT&T. And so basically I went to AT&T school and learned how to be a salesperson. And it served me really well until I was about 30. Mm -hmm. um, I was living downtown in Lafayette Park at the time and was kind of like, is this it? Like, this is what I do. I sell telecommunication systems to people. This is not really, <laughs> I don't have any passion around this, right? Yeah. So uh, my- And you're, you're a passionate person, that's for sure. Yeah, if I don't feel like, I think, you know, for most entrepreneurs, um, if you're not excited about the product that you're selling and they truly just, you feel like you can't live without it. I mean, I believed in Verizon Wireless, which was my final employer before I started K9 to 5. I believed in my cell phone, but I wasn't, it wasn't something that brought me joy, right? Of course. Um, so fast forward to Thanksgiving 2003. Um, I went to the bar with my friend, to the Bronx Bar on 2nd in Midtown. Love it. She and my husband and I were meeting another couple and the other couple was late um, and they showed up. Oh, we're so sorry. We're late. We had to pick up our dog from dog daycare. And I was like, what is even that? What are you talking about? What is dog daycare? Um, hold on. Let me ask you a question. Did you have a dog at this time? I didn't. I had gotten a dog <laughs> and I wasn't, I, I wasn't, I didn't know what I was doing. And so I actually gave it to my mom. I had two cats, right? I'm so, a cat person too. Got it. Right? So yep. they tell me that they took they picked up their dog at dog daycare in Farmington Hills. He was a state rep working in Lansing at the time. She was a law student at Michigan. So maybe it was a little convenient for them to drive to Farmington Hills, but it would not have been convenient for most people who lived in and around downtown. So I asked them a few more questions. I'm very inquisitive. Yeah. I asked a few more questions about this dog daycare thing. And then I turned and I looked at Pat and I said, I'm going to open up a dog daycare in downtown Detroit. Oh my God. Like, hey, Liz. And then um, that was in November of 2003. And I opened K9 to 5 Detroit in May of 2005. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the next time someone says to me, I can't do that, or I don't know how to do that. Big deal, man. Just do it. Like, Just you can figure it. it out. 
I opened a dog yeah. day in downtown Detroit. Um, so the first couple of years were pretty slow going. Um, and then, you know, we just, we kind of kept getting busier, kept getting busier. Mm -hmm. um, in 2011, when Quicken Loans moved downtown, mm -hmm. it was really transformative for our business. Sure. And so I had purchased the adjacent property mm -hmm. um, and was going to build a building at that time mm -hmm. um, to expand my Detroit location. Mm -hmm. And in 2011, nobody really wanted to loan me money um, to mm. build a building in downtown Detroit, obviously. So mm -hmm. I had been working with a friend who had been advising me and he said, hey, why don't you think about Ferndale? Um, and I thought, you know what, that's only 12 miles away. That would work. There's already a dog daycare there. And I'm really glad that he pushed me because we opened in January of 2013 mm -hmm. and we outgrew the space. Um, mm -hmm. I had rented the building. We outgrew the space by October of 2013. So um, it was a good sign that dog yeah. daycare was going to be successful in, mm -hmm. in Ferndale. Um, went, opened up, um, sorry, lost track, purchased a building. Um, I was looking for a 12,000 square foot building in Ferndale. I ended up with this 22,000 square foot monstrosity that I'm sitting wow. in right now. So, you know, and, and then in 2016, um, the SBA lender who had lent me the money to purchase this building in Ferndale said, yeah, you know what, we'll loan you money to build a building in Detroit if that's what you want. So we embarked upon a large construction project. Um, mm -hmm. We added about 10,000 square feet to the Detroit location. Um, spent just over a million and a half on that project. We increased mm -hmm. our capacity um, by quite a bit. So, you know, that takes us to kind of now. Um, business was great. Yeah, well, you know, we'll get into what's, what's, uh, what happened two months ago uh, in a right, minute. Right. Why Detroit though, first and foremost, of all places? I mean, coming from where you came from and you know, the challenge that what Detroit was facing in 2003, you know, why? So when my parents moved downtown in 2006, um, my mom opened a store in downtown Detroit and she had had a store in Pleasant Ridge. She mm -hmm. relocated it to downtown Detroit and I think that's probably when I fell in love with Detroit. Um, and I guess I didn't even realize it, but maybe that's when I fell in love with small business too. Okay. You know, I remember being downtown and it was, I think I look back now and it's crazy. This woman, my mom just like, let me run around downtown. And I was like, you know, <laughs> and go to Mickey's and get a pop and then go over I to remember. stickers and, you know, go up on the roof to watch the Grand Prix and just go over to McDonald's to get some fries. And it's just, it was just so amazing. And so, you know, as soon as I graduated from high school, I was like, okay, I want to move back to Detroit. Um, mm -hmm. It just, there's something about it. There's something about the spirit. There's something about the resilience. Mm -hmm. um, there's something about the, just the honesty. I feel like with Detroit, it's just like similar to with Liz Blondie, similar to with K9 to 5. Like what yeah. you see is what you get, you know? Yeah. You don't like it, it it's not for you um it's not the cleanest place it's not the prettiest place it's not the nicest place we don't have the best climate but it's just it's home and i know it sounds like such a cliche people are always like oh the best thing about it detroit are the people mm -hmm. it's it's pretty true mm -hmm. um the 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 resilience the willingness to help other people mm -hmm. um just over the last 15 years in business the number of people who I didn't even know that I could just reach out to and say, hi, can you help me? 
Mm -hmm. um, you know, Jackie Victor and Scott Lowell and Joel Landy and Sue Mosey and Brian Boyle and just the dozens of people that just helped me. That's why Detroit, because of this helpful, generous spirit that exists in almost everyone. Were you looking at different locations besides Midtown for your space or was just kind of it happened and that was the perfect spot? No, actually, um, my mom actually found the building. She called me one night and she's like, I'm God bless moms. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. I'm in front of this building on Cass Avenue. And I was like, Jesus, mom, what are you doing there? I'm stage right there. <laughs> and she's like, it looks like it's empty. There's a for lease sign on it. You should check it out. Wow. And, you know, I had looked at a building. I had looked at a couple of buildings in Corktown. Um, I knew I wanted to be right near downtown. I knew I wanted to be near Wayne State. I wanted to be near the DMC. And, you know, I'm in love with my neighborhood in Midtown. It's amazing. Having watched it over the last 15 years and knowing what came for the 50 years before that, mm -hmm. I'm pretty proud of Midtown and I'm pretty proud yeah. of Cass Avenue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember it like you do also growing up and coming in from the burbs and we'd be there, God, I don't even know, five times a week practically, like constantly in downtown running around. I used to dance right? as a kid, if you remember. Remember the Ford Auditorium that was on the mm -hmm. water? And yep. then I was big into <laughs> ballet back in the day, so we would have our holiday you know, times there. But we, we loved, I mean, my whole family, we were constantly in downtown Detroit. And you see it evolve, and you, then you go down as a teenager, to your point, Cass Avenue. Yeah. Oh my God, I remember the clubs and all the days of having fun in Detroit. And it's a completely different, different place. I mean, amen to Sue Mosey and team and you and small businesses there. It's Cass Avenue is is now really, I think what's it's in the it's in its prime on the retail side. Again, pre two months ago, we'll talk about that in a minute, but so much hard yeah. work went into building out Cass Avenue. Um and Midtown. You're not even, I think in the sort of diaspora of Detroit, you're not even maybe considered a small business anymore. I mean, you've got two locations, you've got a fairly large investment or substantial investment that came into you. Would you be considered maybe a mid-sized business uh, versus, you know, a small business? And do you kind of look at things in, in that in that perspective? Because you're pretty, I mean, 15 years in, you've got, how large is your staff? Pre-COVID, we had 90 employees between okay. the two positions. Okay. So, and again, we'll chat on other things, but I mean, that's, you know, that's not necessarily considered, I think, a small business. It's a fairly nice size, you know, mid-sized business considering that you're growing. I mean, there's a growth cycle here. So that and two locations and potentially three, right? You were looking at a third yeah. one? Yeah. I think that the term I've heard used is we're a gazelle. So we're not the small more, we're a gazelle. <laughs> I think I actually learned that from Model D a few years ago. Nice. Those guys are so smart. Yeah. Brian, so, Brian you know, and team. Very different business now than when I first started. And that's actually one of the biggest challenges that I've experienced in COVID is that I used to know how to run a 20 dog a day daycare. Mm -hmm. um, we're hitting 150 to 200 a day per location hmm. in January and February. And I don't really know how to run a tiny business anymore. Um, so I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, we're still a small business. We have less than 500 employees. Of course. Know. No, no. Get that. Get to that. everyone. We're a yeah, small yeah. business. No, but, get that. But um, it's very different. It's, we've grown a lot. 
Um, mm -hmm. It's a lot harder to run a business with 90 employees mm -hmm. than it was when it was just like me and three other people sure. taking dogs all day. Sure. Um, but, but I think in the general scheme of things, we're still a small business in terms of my involvement, in terms mm -hmm. of the relationships that we have with our clients, the relationships mm -hmm. that we have with the community. Mm -hmm. um, and the, we have managed to maintain a very solid family in internally in our family, our employees are our family. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like to think that although we had to, you know, kind of grow our systems, grow our, grow our real estate, we're mm -hmm. I still want to maintain a small business. No, your mindset for sure, which is, I think, all about the neighborhood, the family, the inner structure, the taking care of one another. And clearly pets are such a big part of everybody's family. So, I mean, it's an extension to anybody's family to have four-legged friends of theirs and family members of theirs that you're taking care of. Do you have, uh, I know you can't name names, do you have favorites? Are, is it possible to have favorite furry four-legged friends that are within your 100%. auspice? <laughs> but you I'll can't name forget. names. <laughs> no, I'll never forget. What was his name? It was a pug. Its name was Charlie. And it was like my third year in business. And Pat and I had gone on vacation. We're actually laying on the beach in VA case. And I look over at him. And I'm like, I miss Charlie. And he's like, who's Charlie? Like, he's a pug. <laughs> you know, so we definitely um, That's so we cute. fall in love every day with dogs sure. connect five. And I have like my favorite small dog, my favorite large dog. And then I have like, oh, well, this dog's not very nice, but the owner is amazing. So <laughs> it's a lot of relationships. I don't I believe it. Um, I always think to myself that I actually don't really just have one client. I actually have two clients and really I have three clients. So my first client is my employee. Um, I need to make sure that my employees are happy here mm. and that they feel good about working here. So that's, mm -hmm. that's gotta be the number one obligation because I can't take care of that many dogs by myself. Mm -hmm. My second client is the uh, person with a wallet, the, the human, the two legged client that comes through the door. And then we have our four legged client that we have to serve. And really, if we're not doing a good job of taking care of the four legged client, mm -hmm. then the two legged client is going to take their business elsewhere. And if I'm not doing a good job of taking care of the employees, then they're not going to do a good job of taking care of the dogs. Yeah. So it's all this big kind of cycle that, that runs together. And there's a lot of psychology involved in it too, isn't there? Managing, let's say, you know, teams and employees and kind of making everybody feel safe and secure and happy also and, and uh, yep. working and wanting to work for you. And of course- no More than the, ever. Yeah. So let's, you know, twist onto that little discussion and conversation. So I too am a small business um, owner and uh, entrepreneur for about 20 years myself. I don't no dating here, but I'm proud of that as you are and a woman and all these good things and from Detroit and, and uh, around Detroit. And uh, we have a smaller business than you do employee-wise, but it's definitely not been um, an easy time, obviously, now. And uh, shifting and looking at different models on our end, you know, we're digital and we're content, so we're quite busy, knock on wood in the sense of consistency. Um, but there's a lot of things that didn't happen that were going to also happen that we had slated. So, you know, what now you know how because we've also now been through the last two months of this this 
a storm of stuff that's been going on. Knock on wood, everyone is safe and healthy on, on your end and uh, on our end too, thank goodness. But what now? What, you know, how do you kind of real time, it's I-R-T, how do you in real time pivot and shift and figure out with the business side of making money, but then also on the personal side and the protection side of the employees that you have? So what do you, you know, talk us through, walk me through some of your thoughts. Yeah, that's, you know, that's been the biggest struggle of, of Corona. We actually, we never closed. Um, we laid off about 90% of our team mm -hmm. in March and we maintained with a very skeleton crew. We take care of a lot of dogs of medical workers, of police and fire and of city of Detroit employees. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to, um, you know, there are people out there that think of us as an essential service. Like they, mm -hmm. they, in, in some instances, um, if you have to go someplace and someone has to watch your dog, we are an essential service. So mm -hmm. stayed open with a skeleton crew. Um, back to what I was saying about, you know, remembering how to run a really big business. Mm -hmm. This kind of reminded us all how to, to downsize, um, which I'll talk more about in a second. But mm -hmm. so we, over the last few weeks, have started bringing employees back. Mm -hmm. um, I think we have about... 25 to 30 employees back now. I did um, receive the PPP loan. Great. As a small business owner, you know, there's this incredible amount of pressure now for yeah. the loan forgiveness to bring back the same number of FTEs. Yeah. Um, hopefully it gets voted on this week and the, the forgiveness term is extended because mm -hmm. it's not set up to help businesses right now. I agree. It, the way that, I mean, I it, basically like, I didn't actually want to get a loan. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to find a way to cover my employees. So yeah. for the last few weeks, we've been trying to schedule employees thoughtfully, but also trying to schedule them, you know, to support the business, to support the employee's lifestyle and, and their whole, their feelings about all of this. And then mm -hmm. to support this, these loan repayment requirements. It's been a big challenge. Um, but I feel really, really grateful and lucky to be able to say that our customers are coming back like big time. Um, we saw our numbers go up maybe 40 dogs a day last week. Great. Um, we are in the 60s today on May 26. Mm -hmm. And so I imagine that um, for the next few months, it's going to be, you know, we'll be at maybe 40% of capacity. Mm -hmm. We have a, the best clients ever. We survey our clients a lot and they are very mm. free with their opinions. Mm -hmm. And um, about 70% of them said that they would still use a daycare, a dog daycare, even if they're working from home through the mm -hmm. end of the year. Mm -hmm. But about 25% of them said that they intend to board their dogs this summer. Mm -hmm. And for a business, you know, I can accommodate 200 dogs a night. Um, I think this weekend we, we should have had maybe 150 dogs. And I think we had maybe 20. So we're going to see a huge contraction in our boarding business. And that's really scary to me. Hmm. Um, I can't imagine how other businesses that are really reliant on tourism and travel mm -hmm. are going to handle this. You know, you think about Mackinac Island, you think about just, mm -hmm. you think about these new hotels downtown. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, it's going to be really hard for everybody. And mm -hmm. we're going to hang on and 
our employees know that they need to hang on to. We're working really, really hard to provide them with PPE and to check all of the boxes and cross all the T's and dot all the I's, do all the things that we're supposed to do to keep employees safe. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, you hear about in the state of California, employers will actually, their work comp will be held liable if an employee who is currently working from that for them is diagnosed with COVID. And that is the, this, this system is set up to fail small businesses. Um, it's, it's not my fault if one of my employees gets sick, if I'm doing every single thing that I possibly can, and then they decide to go hang out with their friends or, you know, go to 7-Eleven and be sloppy and not wear a mask and touch everything. So, sorry, I'll go off on a tangent right no, now. No, 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 no. I, I mean, I'm, I'm it's a huge political, the choir. You know, yeah. political proponent advocate and I'm, I'm in the trenches as well and I, I completely get it. So what do you think for you as a business owner were the hardest components of the PPP? How, a, you know, it was difficult to even figure out the trail of action, what to, to, what to do. But on the forgiveness side, you know, like for example, with us, we have both consultants and employees, and this is why I was in limbo on whether I wanted to take the loan because it would be a loan, not a grant at some point. And then do I want more debt, you know, or debt of any kind on right. my shoulders? And now you have to repay it within, you know, what is it? End of June, beginning of July starting if it's a loan. So there's so many challenges with that, but the fact that you did get it and you're presumably working towards it being a grant versus mm -hmm. the loan, what did you see as the largest challenges to making it happen for you? Um, one of the major challenges has been around getting employees to feel safe coming back. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, physically, you mean physically in the space to work with you? Um, more so emotionally. I mean, we spent a fair amount of time, energy, and money, you know, just thinking about and planning for PPE for employees, stuff like that. But mm -hmm. I think that America is terrified right now. Um, and I think that my employees are also pretty scared about it. I also, um, it's very hard to balance being kind of like a humanitarian with mm -hmm. a capitalist, yeah. um, because I know exactly what's right for my business. I know exactly what's right for my budget, for my bank account. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes those things do not align with what my employees might feel is best for them. Yeah. So if, an, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a common topic now, but yeah. if an employee can, and I'm by no means am I painting anybody as a no, dead. No, no, no. We're uh, in the same boat. No, no. I yeah. believe but, 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 totally but I'm going to share this video on social and my employees are going to watch it. And I want them to know that I, I don't see somebody who's choosing to collect unemployment um, as, as something wrong with them, because you know what? We all paid into this system for the last many years. Even Consider it social security in an earlier exactly. phase, you know? Yeah. Right. Oh, sorry, kids. We used to have this thing called 30. <laughs> You're 22. Yeah. You... Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Um, exactly. So, you know, with the PPP, from what I understand, if I offer you, if I'm going to a job back um, and you decline, I can then say to PPE, I offered her 40 hours and she did not decline or she did not accept. And I can count that those 40 hours towards my FTE status. That is what I've read. 
I don't know if that is accurate. Mm -hmm. And do you know anything about this? No, no, I think you're, you're nailed it. I think that that's exactly what the scenario is. And that's also where the challenge lies because you're also looking at people that may or may not want to come back. You took right. the risk of taking on the grant slash might become a loan if you're not able to qualify for all these conditions as you start ramping up your business again. Um, and I know there's a lot of P's, but we're talking about PPP versus PPE. <laughs> right, but um, also PUA is something that comes up to us a lot. PUA right. is, is the $600 that every American is able to collect right now. And I think that some of my employees feel like I'm taking that money away from them by asking them to come back to work. So let me, let me then ask you something in that regard, business owner to business owner, uh, woman yep. to woman. Um, they were getting paid something prior to this, whatever the dollar amount was two months, up to two months ago. Mm -hmm. Do they think that they would be making, it's more justified for them to go on unemployment? And there's, there's no, you know, there's no judgment here. It's a, it's a question. Um, again, we're all, we're all facing similar things, or I am at least. Do they feel that it's um, justifiable for them to then rather claim unemployment do they realize also as a kind of second component that unemployment only lasts a couple of months? This is not something that's going to go on forever, that they're going to be gaining unemployment. Do the, is there a justification that they would feel that they would rather get unemployment versus, and this additional $600 a week as, as we're talking about with POA, versus a full-time job or a career or a part-time job, whatever the scenario is, but that's, let's say, guaranteed for a longer right. period of time. Right. And if I go to an employee who says, oh, I don't necessarily feel comfortable coming back. And I say, hey, you are looking at a country that is about to go into a global depression with a 15 to 20% unemployment rate. My suggestion is that you come back to work. Yeah. Then kind of a bitch. Yeah. So, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't really know what to do about that. Also, I was on the phone with the UIA office last week. Mm -hmm. um, they told me that once the shelter in place is lifted, that mm -hmm. any employees who have not come back, who have not been offered their jobs back, mm -hmm. who are continuing to file, mm -hmm. the UIA rate of the employer will start to increase again. That's been paused. Um, say that one more. Say that one more time. So I was told last week by mm -hmm. UIA that when mm -hmm. the shelter-in-place order is lifted, mm -hmm. that the state of Michigan will once again begin charging back employees for mm -hmm. the employees who have filed, I don't want to say against them, but who have, I don't, I don't know what the exact term mm -hmm, is. Mm -hmm. So I mean, that's, that's the UIA office telling me, Hey, get your charging you as an employer to cost you more money. Hmm. And, and again, you know, here's one of my, one of my biggest challenges in life has been that I can't get dog groomers to come work at my salon in downtown Detroit. And do you want to know the biggest challenge? It's Why? because it's, in Detroit. it's not because it's the, it's, it's because it's in Detroit. But let me, so let me ask you something, because this is the irony to me also of so many of these great things that are going on, your business included. You know, everyone is hoo-hoo-hawing about the excitement around Detroit and how incredible Detroit is and how exciting it is and the culture and the life and wanting to live down there. But yet, when you look at it from a business dynamic, and I've, I've experienced this, we're digital, so it's a little bit different, but I have experienced this and also had similar conversations. 
where ultimately people don't necessarily want to be taking either the drive if they don't live downtown or they don't feel safe or secure or they don't want to spend their day downtown to go back to wherever it is that they're living you know what's that like catch 22 you know like joseph heller on on steroids like where what is that you know i i don't know um and you're I, in the prime I, of the city you're in midtown in the coolest place in town you're walkable to everything I mean, we won our magazine's best grooming shop for like the fourth year in a row. We have a brand new grooming salon. It's people are scared of Detroit. Um, we had one come in for an interview a few weeks ago and, uh, you know, we hadn't heard this in a few years, but it was refreshing to hear somebody say, I might have to get a gun if I work downtown, no you know, kidding. and I'm being super facetious when I say refreshing. It had been yeah, probably four of five since I heard someone say that. And that was like a punch in the stomach that reminded me that actually my beloved city has not come as far in its reputation in Metro Detroit as I wish that it had. Um, and what do you think is causing? What is that? What do you, I mean, we're both on social. You're extremely active. You're all over the place. You're vocal. You're an advocate. What, is, what do you think it is? I mean, big questions, but you know, one thing, what do you think it is that could be contributing to that? Because Detroit is, if you read New York Times, which you're familiar with now even more so, but whatever, Forbes, or I don't even know, Curbed, or you name it, you know, Detroit's like listed on the top, whatever cities to do anything in was in the next 36 hours of your life. So what is Listen, it? Do you think that the people in Sterling Heights and Rochester and Romeo yeah. and Row feel as passionate about Detroit as the people in New York yeah. and the people who read for, yeah. I don't, yeah. I think, yeah. you know, and not to dog on my journalism friends and not mm -hmm. to dog on the media, but mm -hmm. if I um, was a young woman who lived in Rochester Hills mm -hmm. and I turned on the evening news every night, mm -hmm. I might be a little bit scared of Detroit. Yeah, no, um, I agree. There's publications like yours that are telling mm -hmm. the good stories, mm -hmm. but you know, the sad thing is that most people are watching TV news mm -hmm. and murder is sexy, you know, crime is sexy. Yeah. Um, all of I the know. work that we're putting into the city of Detroit is not as it's, it's to urbanists and city planners. It's pretty exciting, but to just yeah, real people. Yeah. Chris, Kristen and Jason that live in, um, Warren township, right? Yeah. They don't, they're not going to feel as comfortable coming downtown. And they don't want their wives or their girlfriend mm -hmm, daughter, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, to work at my grooming shop in the cast corridor. And you're almost sensing, this is fascinating. You're almost giving me this impression, which it's not even, I mean, I felt this myself, so I'm, I'm with you. And I've, I've, I've talked it through. I'm a, I'm a big um, surveyor of the local population whenever I can. Um, but you look at the restaurants, for example, again, pre two months ago, but people would come, have their dinners, have a great time and leave. You know, there also wasn't a lot of connectivity for them to shop pre or post or to, of course, you got the sporting events, but then what, you know, people don't necessarily know what it is that they're going to be doing in downtown Detroit, unless they're told what to do by somebody or they go to a hotel and hang out there for a couple hours and then go back home again. I'm talking about the folks from the burbs, like you're mentioning. So you're kind of also in a similar situation because you need qualified people to know what they're doing that have a passion for pets, how many of those are there really within downtown Detroit or, you know, local Detroit? And you're looking for, you've got a quantity of people you need to fill. It's 90 employees or growing. That's not, you know, four people. You're looking for a substantial amount of people to do good work. No, it's, mm -hmm. it's tricky. I, 
It's, it's, and it's so interesting because the city itself, I'm talking the city management and government is actually doing phenomenal job for turning on the lights and for thinking big picture, yeah, you know, are. big picture immediate, but also big picture longer term. And then you have the Sumozis of the world that are on a local scale doing incredible work on the, on the neighborhood building, but it really takes a local culture and a local education model or you know thought process to get people comfortable and wanting to be part of this and not just the 20 year olds the 30 year olds 40 year olds 50 year olds 60 year olds that are going to be part of the ecosystem of the city right right and 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 what happened between like when you and i were little and our moms wanted to bring us downtown and what like what happened you know i asked myself that a lot and the and the funny part is is that there's actually so much more going on now but it's a right? it's a very different vibe it's a very different vibe it's um it's incredible and that's why i came back i came back in 2014 to be part of this i was out of out of state for a couple of years from 208 to 214 and saw an incredibly different city when i when i got back to detroit again i want to be part of it like so many of us do again um, but it's a very, it's even a different vibe from when it was in the early 2000s when we would be coming downtown. And of course, as kids, n no judgment, not good or bad. It's just different. It's different. And I yeah. think that that one connection point, because where you are as a small business, you also need people that are not just going to drive down and go back again. You, but because you're an advocate for the neighborhood, you want people to intermingle. You want people to stay. You want people to, you know, go to, you know, Honest John's down the street and grab a burger. You want, you know, you want people to to have this become part of their community structure as well. Mm -hmm. I'm presuming that's probably also why you wanted to be in downtown Detroit at the start. I want that, and I want. So the woman who brought up the bring, the buying a gun, we elected mm -hmm. to not hire her specifically because of that comment. Because I need the people who work at K nine to five to love Detroit as much mm -hmm. as they love dogs because yeah. that's going to come through in their conversations. Totally. And, you know, they're going to look at Detroit as, oh, you know, maybe I should move down here. They, when they get out of work, they're not going to hop on the freeway and flee home. They're going to walk around the corner and go to the shipping company for dinner. They're going to go up mm -hmm. to the Bronx. They're going to go up to, you know, they're going to buy a bottle of wine at Laferia. They're going to, they're going to do business in the city that they care about i guess yeah. yeah and i think you're also as passionate about it probably as you are because you're a believer in the growth of what can happen i mean you've got you know you're yeah you're a small to mid-sized business owner but small business owner but you're also a passionate individual that's part of the ecosystem of the city and you can see where it can go you you know you've got that vision where you're thinking ahead because you also want to build out your business and potentially have five other k9 to fives downtown for example or within the metro detroit area you know that's that's capitalism as you said just like i want to have you know five other things that are going on in our end i totally get it but you need that spend on the money side and the culture and community on the social side to fit so that there's a safety net for you and a safety net for those that are that are coming in and I don't know maybe is it time that's going to putting again aside COVID and coronavirus but is it time that kind of makes levels out the playing field you know that people within five years from now three years ten years from now that detroit will feel like a safer place 
because mm -hmm. things are going to maybe be more built out outside of the core of the city, which you happen to still be in. I mean, Midtown really is also still the core of the mm -hmm. city and downtown, obviously. Um, I mean, big topics and things that we think about all the time, of course, and things that we, you know, write about also with, with Detroit is it. And that's also why I decided to start a media platform to have these kind of conversations with friends and new friends and colleagues and, and business owners, because the beauty with Detroit to me is that, um, you know, how you would say, and I lived in New York for a long time, people would say, if you're in New York, you can make it, you know, it, you, you can make it anywhere once you make it in New York. I believe you can make it anywhere if you make it in Detroit. Yeah, it, it's it's a different mindset that you truly. There's so many nuances to if you're a woman, if you're white, if you're a business owner, if you're a minority, if you live in the suburbs, if you don't. There's so many components to the um, variances of being a Detroiter, which are great. That's what drove me back here again. I love that. I love that complexity. But those are things that you really kind of have to live with and figure out your own place in. Mm -hmm. It's interesting too because when I think about like we don't struggle we don't struggle getting customers in the door at all in mm -hmm. Detroit, mm -hmm. and so and I don't think a lot of the restaurants in and around downtown. Mm -hmm. I mean now they do, but mm -hmm. struggle they weren't no. struggle getting customers in, but they yep. all struggle getting workers. Um, yeah. And that's, that's, that's a problem. That's a problem. It's going to, it was a problem before COVID. It's going to be a problem after COVID. I am interested to see um, how the unemployment rate impacts that. Um, but, mm. you know, it's not like I'm going to get excited about the unemployment rate because it's going to mean I have more employees because unfortunately with a, with a higher unemployment rate will come um, a decline in customers a decline in people who are able to use our services um, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. that you know that'll be hard to watch for sure what do you think um your sense no one's an expert on this what do you think september is going to look like well let me get my crystal ball out <laughs> <laughs> minus um, a whole nother spread of the craziness hopefully that does not ever praise whatever happened but what do you yeah. think from a retail perspective what small business Detroit downtown perspective, you know, what do you think September, October might look like? I don't think that I, I don't think that I can speak for all of downtown in a retail sure. perspective. I think I can only speak to my business mm -hmm. um, and be hopeful for everyone else's business. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that if we do not see a, a second wave or mm -hmm. resurgence, mm -hmm. then I think that, um, We'll have a good September. Actually, September's mm -hmm. always been a very good month for K9 to 5. Mm -hmm. And hopefully by then people will be um, somewhat more adjusted to their new normal. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully my team will feel more comfortable. Hopefully I'll feel more comfortable. Because mm -hmm. um, I, mean, I don't necessarily, you know, I don't like wearing a mask. I don't like mm -hmm. all of these weird things that we're having to do um, yeah. in my building. I don't, I don't feel comfortable policing my customers the way that I've had to police them. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that, you know, I, I'm very, very hopeful and optimistic for my business this fall. And, mm -hmm. you know, I have seen some other business owners, um, a lot of other business owners, a lot of my customers who are mm -hmm. business owners just do some amazing pivoting 
um, mm -hmm. over the last few months. And I feel, you know, it's Detroit. Like this isn't, this might not be the worst thing that we ever dealt with before. Mm -hmm. and, and if you were to able to open up a business here, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 years ago, like that was hard, man. Mm -hmm. You got mm -hmm. this, like we got this. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. It is, it is gonna be just as much work, if not more, but the people who are in it, you know, and don't expect anything to be easy will yep. be successful. And the people who weren't really trying that hard to begin with, you know, that'll yeah. all kind of sort yeah. of wash. Yeah. yeah, evolution of the fittest in so many ways, yeah. I think too. Yeah, no, I'm with you. We also, we didn't shut down, we kept working. And um, so, no, I, I feel the grief, I feel the pain, but I, I'm a big believer in challenge. I, I like things that kind of take me out of my norm clearly not on the health side for everybody, but I like it because you, you then are forced to be innovative. You're forced to not be comfortable. You're, you're forced to look at things differently. So we've been lucky to be able to do that with the team that we have, which I'm so proud of on, on our end. Right. Um, and I think to your point, you know, Detroit is, Detroit's resilient. I mean, God bless the city of the people of the city. I mean, truly resilient people, they just are. Yep. Um, and I think it's also about consistency. I had this conversation a couple of weeks ago as well, really about being consistent, you know, not pivoting so much that you don't know what you're doing, but staying your course and knowing to your point, your gut instinct that you know what's right for your business. Yeah, yep. things are going to need to change, but you really know what's right for your business at the end of the day. It's you, you know, you know I know it. what's best for my business. Um, I know what's best for the dogs. I think mm -hmm. that I know what's best for for the employees. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I know what's best for them in, in their whole personal lives, but I know what's best for them while they're at work. Um, I was listening to a meditation the other day, and the woman was yeah. talking about you know going into this with a a strong back and a soft heart, uh. and so I'm kind of trying to take that approach mm -hmm. as I deal with customers, as I deal with employees. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is hard. Buckle up, man. Like, yeah. put your shoulders back. Keep your back strong but yeah. also come at it from a place where you are compassionate to everybody. You know that this is, that everybody is struggling right now. Yeah. But again, don't forget that strong back because a strong back is what is gonna pay my giant mortgage every month. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not laughing out of tears of yeah. joy. I, I am laughing because I, I know it's tough stuff. So a million and one hours that we could be spending talking together because there's so many, so many things that I want to hear and learn. Um, but what would be your one, two, three sort of top takeaways as a, as a business owner for, for Detroit as a woman, as a, you know, for somebody that has the uh, amount of passion and values that you have for the local community, what would be a couple of tips that you would give us as other Detroiters going through similar things? So my first tip would be, so one of my least favorite things to do is be patient. <laughs> my first tip is gonna be be patient. Um, and it's really even more for, it's not even just for business owners. Business owners, you gotta be patient. It's gonna take a minute for people to come back, but it's even more for customers of small businesses in Metro Detroit. Mm -hmm. None of us know what we're doing. Everything changed. We all had the wind knocked out of us a few months ago. So, you know, I'm always like consumed with the experience the customers have in my lobby. 
where the, we move them in and out as fast as possible. We want to be efficient and we're not going to be able to be as efficient and be safe. So the first, the first thing is be patient and be patient with small businesses. We're really trying our best right now. Mm -hmm. The second thing, and this is, this is advice specifically, I guess, for small businesses work harder than ever right now. The businesses who work harder than ever right now are the ones that are going to be standing at the end of the year. Um, and we all really had a lovely two month reprieve. And, you know, maybe some of us decided that we didn't want to continue to be in business or that we didn't, you know, didn't want things to be business as usual, but no matter what you decided, you're going to have to work harder than you ever imagined. And then my third takeaway would be if you have the money to spend at a small business right now, please do it. Um, don't forget that the people that opened up Taco Bell, you know, like there isn't a, a, a husband and a wife and a kid sitting at home thinking about how they're going to pay their bills at Taco Bell right now. The owners of El Rey, the owners of Lupita's, the owners of Il Nemesento, I eat a lot of tacos. Um, you know, those people need you to spend their money right now. So yeah. I know everyone is tightening their purse strings, but if you can, get out there and shop and spend and give money, give money to charity too, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, nonprofits are gonna have a tough go of it. So um, mm -hmm. even if it's 20 bucks a week, you can't go out to the bar anyways, right? Yeah. Give give those three cocktails, give that money to, um, to a nonprofit that's really gonna struggle over the next few months. Yeah. Great advice. Who's got the best fish tacos in town? Ooh. Um, Cause I'm a fanatic. Tacos, so I don't know the answer to this. I'm sorry. I wish I could help you. <laughs> then another I one. Can, I, I can crowdsource it on Facebook though. You should, should. Answers. I'm dying to find them. Fish tacos are like my favorite thing ever. Um, I love your t-shirt. Where'd you get that? I love it. Ah, uh, this? Yeah. This uh, I don't. I think I got it at like REI. It's not that exciting. It's Sorry. It's so cute. I love the color. Girl, this is great. Thanks so much for the time. Thanks so much for sharing. Keep it going. You know, strong and and long. And may you be more successful than ever as we pull out of this thing. And I know that I know that we will. So Thank you. I really appreciate of it. Of course, of course. And uh, we'll all be bringing our pups to Canine to Five. I hope so. People got a lot of quarantine puppies, so we hope to see them all. You got it. Alrighty. Have a great one. Thanks. Bye, Ivana. Thank Bye. you.